What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome. Boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Time Out with. Uh, I already messed up. Fuck, I got it. What the fuck am I on? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to yet another episode of Time Out with Tony, your host, Tony. I feel like my throat is getting itchy, man. This is the second episode I've done in a row. I just finished I just finished recording for uh, episode seven, and I'm starting again. So two episodes in a day. Could you look at you believe that? Could you believe that? I'm, I'm on my grind, yo. Anyways, we're back at it again with another episode, folks. This time, one of my personal favorites. Today, we're going to be reviewing the biopic Straight Outta Compton. Oh, yeah, 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 bitch. Uh, considered to be one of my rather favorite biopics. One of, not accurate, accurate biopics, but one of the rather successful biopics out there. Uh, Straight Outta Compton does not fail. I mean, I'm uh, sure there may be some nudity and some... Some drug use and foul language but it's all good it's all good it's a good movie you know what i'm saying i really 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 recommend you either watch this alone or permission with your parents i highly doubt they'll give you permission but just watch it it's, it's all good you can skip the sex scenes there's like three or four of them in between but anyways we're back at it folks we're reviewing straight out of compton and we'll leave it at that before we get into today's episode. Let me take a quick minute and thank you guys all so much for the support. Really, it means a lot. So, you know, let's keep it up, will you? Anyways, folks, with that being said, uh, let's see, I feel like I'm missing something else. No, that's pretty much it. Kick back, relax, crack open a beer, soda, and or can water, and enjoy, folks, because this is Straight Outta Compton. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Alright folks, for those of you new to the show, here's how the situation goes. First off, we go a bit into a premise, recap the entire plot, give it our rating, why we give it our rating, and we go a little bit behind the scenes and look at the production and the, the, the uh, yeah, just the production, development, and how accurate it was. We also take a look at the, uh, uh, at how it did at the box office and how exactly uh, it's been, it's been accepted, I think, it's, it's been accepted, I, I don't even know. So there's something like that. And we also take a look at the accolades received and whatnot. So for those of you that do not know, Straight Outta Compton is a 2015 American biographical drama film directed by F. Gary Gray, depicting the rise and fall of the gangster group NWA and its members Easy e Ice Cube, and Dr. Dre. The members were involved in the production, including Ice Cube and Dr. Dre as producers, as was Easy es widow, Tomiko Woods Wright, while MC Ren and DJ Yellow served as creative con uh, consultants. Ice Cube is actually portrayed by his real-life son, O'Shea Jackson Jr., with Corey Hawkins as Dr. Dre and Jason Mitchell as Eazy-E. Paul Giamnati also stars as NWA's manager, Jerry Heller. Talks of an NWA biopic began in 2010 in New Line Cinema. Several directors were approached, including Craig Brewer, Peter Berg, and even John Singleton. 
Gray was confirmed to direct the movie in April 2012. Much of the cast has signed on in June of 2014, and principal photography began in August, taking place around Los Angeles and Compton, California, of course. The production faced several controversies, including casting call issues and several acts of violence on set. Released on August 14, 2015, Straight Outta Compton made over $201 million on a production budget of $50 million and was chosen by National Board of Review as one of the top 10 films of 2015. It went on to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, and it is inspired by Dr. Dre's third studio album, Compton, which debuted at number 2 on the Billboard 200 album chart a week prior to the film's release. The soundtrack album featuring music by N.W.A. debuted at number one on rap albums chart and reached number one on the top R&B slash hip-hop albums chart. Jerry Heller actually ended up filing a lawsuit against the filmmakers for protesting his depiction and claiming that parts were taken from his autobiography without permission. Of course, we'll get into that all at the end, but let me take a quick minute. And for those of you that do not know who or what NWA is, NWA is a gangster rap group. Uh, they were among the earliest and most significant popularizers and controversial figures of the gangster rap subgenre and are widely considered to be one of the greatest and most influential groups in the history of hip-hop music. Active from 1987 to 1991, the rap group endured controversy owing to, owing to their music's explicit lyrics, which many viewed as being misogynistic as well as glorification of drugs and crime. The group was subsequently banned from any mainstream American radio stations, and in spite of this, the group went on to sell over 10 million units in the U.S. alone. Drawing on their own experience of racism and excessive policing, the group made inherent inherently political music. They were also known for their deep hatred of the police system, which has sparked controversy over the years. The original lineup formed in early 1987, which consisted of Arabian Prince, Dr. Dre, Eazy-E, Ice Cube, DJ Ella, and MC Ren. They released their first compilation album as a group in 1987 titled NWA and the Posse, which debuted at number 39 on Billboard magazine's top R&B hip-hop albums chart. Arabian Prince unfortunately left shortly after the release of their debut studio album, Straight Outta Compton, which dropped in 1989 and which is the title of this movie. Uh, Ice Cube actually followed uh, actually left in December of that same year. Eazy-E, Ice Cube, MC Ren, and Dr. Dre will later become platinum-selling solo artists in their own rights in the 1990s. Their debut album marked the beginning of the new gangster rap era as a production and social commentary, and their lyrics were revolutionary within its genre. NWA's second studio album, I can't, I can't say this word, N-I-G-G-A-Z for Life, was the first hardcore rap album to reach number one on the Billboard 200. They got hits such as Straight Outta Compton, Fuck the Police, Appetite for Destruction, Gangsta Gangsta, Express Yourself, and that, those are just the top five to name. Those are my top five favorite uh, NWA songs. I'm a huge fan of them. Anyways, let's get into the story. Our story opens up in the year 1986 in Compton, California, where Easy e aka Eric Wright, is a drug dealer, Kelly Park, a Crip gang member, Dr. Dre is an aspiring uh, disc jockey, and Ice Cube is a young rapper intrigued by Ice Cube's reality raps, reflecting on the crime, gang violence, and police harassment that they have, uh, that they have, that they and other African Americans encounter daily. Dr. Dre convinces Easy E to fund a startup record label titled Ruthless Records, with Dr. Dre serving as a record producer. And their song "Boys in the Hood" is rejected by a New York rap group. 
Dr. Dre convinces Eazy-E to perform it instead, and it becomes a local hit. Eazy-E, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, DJ Yella, and MC Ren form the group NWA. Eazy-E accepts Jerry Heller's offer to manage NWA and co-run Ruthless and Priority Records. Offers NWA a record deal. While recording their debut studio album Straight Outta Compton, the group is harassed by police due to their race and appearance, prompting Ice Cube to pen the song Fuck the Police. The album becomes a controversial hit due to its profanity and violent lyrics, and the group style is dubbed gangster rap by the press. During a 1989 concert tour, the FBI demands that the FB that the NWA stop performing Fuck the Police because it encourages violence against law enforcement. Oh, it's the police that are tired of being brutalized. Oh, it's a Fuck up. Police in Detroit forbid them from performing the song, and a riot breaks out when they perform it anyway, and they get arrested. Heller delays the individual members' contracts with Ruthless, and then insists that he and he insists that Cube sign without legal representation. Ice Cube quits the group and drops his debut studio album, America's Most Wanted. And it becomes a hit, but when Priority Records is unable to pay him his advance on his next album, he trashes the, la the label's head's office. When NWA heavily insults Ice Cube on the record, 100 Miles and Running, he responds with a diss track, No Vaseline, which, in my opinion, is considered to be one of the most ruthless, most just-disrespectful diss records in the history of rap. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say about Hit Em Up or Who, who Shot You or any of the other diss records. Out there, no Vaseline is by far the most destructive to date. Anyways, in the diss track, no Vaseline, he criticizes his former bandmates and Heller, uh, mentioning his being a Jew, which prompts accusations of anti-Semitism. Uh -oh. This, combined with associations with the Nation of Islam, outspoken criticism of the Los Angeles Police Department in the wake of the beating of Rodney King, and a starting role in the 1991 film Boys in the Hood, we'll review that another day, make him even more famous and controversial. Dr. Dre ends up hiring an imposing, the imposing blood gang member Suge Knight uh -oh, as his, and his manager. After Suge proves that Heller has been underpaying him, Dre leaves NWA to form Death Row Records with Suge Knight who has his men threaten Heller and beat up Eazy-E to pressure them to release Dr. Dre from his contract with Ruthless. Dr. Dre enjoys his newfound freedom and begins working with other rappers, including newcomer, a uh, then-newcomer, Snoop D-O-double-G. Oh, fuck yeah. He ends up dropping his debut studio album, The Chronic, which goes on to sell over 5 million copies and is critically acclaimed. And even, even as he becomes uh, as becomes disturbed by Knight's violent behavior and the community is rocked by the 1992 LA riots. Eazy-E, whose fortunes and health have declined over the following years, is devastated by the comparative success of his former bandmates. He learns that Heller has been embezzling money from Ruthless Record from the beginning and fires him and rekindles his relationship with Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, who then go on to uh, who will then agree to an NWA reunion. However, before the recording can actually begin, Eazy-E collapses and is diagnosed with HIV/AIDS. Amidst emotional visits from his bandmates, he dies on March 26, 1995, and is mourned by fans. A year later, Dr. Dre splits from Night from Suge Knight and Death Row to form his own label, Aftermath. Clips are shown throughout the film's credits to highlight Ice Cube's subsequent roles as a film actor, Dr. Dre's career as a producer and entrepreneur, and several rappers such as Eminem, Snoop Dogg, and a bunch of other West Coast rappers such as The Game, Nipsey Hussle, YG, all credit their uh, Dr. Dre with helping launch their careers and Beats Electronics, which he co-founded 
uh, and was bought by Apple Incorporated in 2015 for $3 billion. And that, my friends, is how Strata Compton ends. It's a pretty interesting movie overall. It's got a lot of good, it's not, you know, good, good humor as in like, ah, ha, ha, I gotta laugh at this. This is good humor. I just hit my hand. This is good humor. No, it's got humor as in like, huh, funny. And then just goes on to the next scene. Um, anyways, the rating. On a scale of 1 to 10, I give Strata Compton a... A full-on 9 out of 10. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I got to give it a full-on 9 out of 10, and here's why. The reason why I didn't give it a shitty 0 out of 0, I mean 0 out of 10, would be because the acting. The acting is just somewhat of uh, just perfect, in my own opinion. Um, O'Shea Jackson's Jr. interpretation of his own dad is just downright completely accurate. I can totally tell you this is exactly how Ice Cube was in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, not to mention the, com the the resemblance. You can see the the resemblance is completely accurate. Uh, there's just a few you know little tweaks. Uh, like uh, O'Shea, he's a bit lighter, a bit of a light skin compared to his dad. But anyways, um, what was I saying? Oh fuck, I, I really zoned out. Uh, but yeah, the acting was on point. Corey Hawkins as Dr. Dre. Uh, I'd say it was accurate, but, you know, a little bit on the appearance. It's a bit exaggerated. Uh, Easy, I mean, uh, Jason Jason Mitchell's interpretation of Easy e Again, accurate, but, you know, they're a little bit, it's a little bit rough on the, in terms of, like, vocal. Vocally, it's, it's a bit rough. So, I don't know. I just got it. I just felt like that needed to be pointed out. Uh, interpretations of the other... NWA members, I feel like it's completely accurate as well as Shug's uh, uh, depiction. I feel like it's completely accurate because, I mean, if you read up on the Shug guy, you'll see that he is one of the most feared people in the hip-hop industry, although he has been arrested uh, and he is currently doing, I don't know, 25 to live right now. He's expected to be really released sometime in 2037. Uh, he is still one of the most feared members in the hip-hop industry, so... I'd say his depiction in the movie is somewhat accurate. Uh, the reason why I don't give it a complete 10 out of 10 would have to be because of uh, uh, certain depictions, such as Jerry Heller's depiction. I feel like his depiction in the movie is extremely exaggerated. Uh, Jerry Heller had no creative control, no, cre no creative say in this. Uh, he wasn't, you know... He wasn't consulted. He nothing. He had completely no say in this. So I feel like the character Jerry Heller's character could have been uh, inaccurate. Could have been ex an exaggerated form of Jerry Heller. I don't. I don't know. Because if, if you take a look at the past, I mean, yeah, sure. I will admit, maybe Heller could have been, you know, embezzling money. He could have been, you know, doing this and uh, doing what they said he was in the movie, but he couldn't have been at the same time. Uh, I don't know. I'm just saying where there's smoke, there's fire. And you see how Jerry Heller, uh, after the release of this movie, filed a, a, a lawsuit against the original NWA members and against Universal Studios for allowing this to happen. Uh, but then again, for all we know, he could only be doing this because he's like, hey, that's not true. And he's trying to, you know, defend himself and stuff like this. But I, I don't know. For all we know, 
his depiction could be completely inaccurate. Uh, another reason why we got to give it a 9 out of 10 is because some of the actual... What's the word I'm looking for? Some of the actual events are inaccurate. For starters, when the first group first met, it is said that they originally met in the year 1986. But uh, if you, if, from the interviews that I've seen and articles that I've read, the group, the actual group, did not meet uh, in 86. They are actually, they actually met and were formed in 1985. They just waited. They just, it wasn't until like 1987 where they were able to, you know, produce their music, drop their music, and stuff like that. So. I uh, gotta mention that, but all in all, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was entertaining. Uh, definitely like the nudity in here. <laughs> no, I'm joking, <laughs> but you know, it was good. All right, folks, let's take a look at the production and development behind. Development first began in March 2009 when it was announced that the film was in development and Lou Line Cinema and S. Lay Savage and Alan Winka's writing. And Tomiko Woods Wright, Ice Cube, and Dr. Dre set to produce the film. In May of 2010, it was announced that Andrea Berloff would write a draft of the screenplay. In September 2011, John Singleton told the playlist that he was in talks to direct the film, saying, quote, I can't talk about it too prematurely about the stuff I'm doing because nothing's coming to fruition yet. But Cube and I are talking about doing the NWA story. The script is really, really good. And so we're just figuring out. New Line Cinema really wants to make it, end quote. In September of 2011, F. Gary Gray, Craig Brewer, and Peter Berg were reportedly in talks to direct the film. In April of 2012, Gray was selected as the director, and Gray had worked with Q previously on his film Friday, and Dr. Dre on the film set it off. It also it has also directed some of their music, and he also... Son of a bitch, I messed up. He has also directed some of their music videos. By 2013, the film was picked up by Universal Studios, who in December 2013 hired Jonathan Herman to write a new draft of the script and brought in Will Packer to executive as executive producer alongside Adam Mermis, Merms, Merims, I don't know, Alan Winkers, David Engel, Bill Strauss, Thomas Toll, and Josh, John Jeshni. Jesus, fuck, what is, what is it with these guys in weird last names? Anyways, casting calls began in the middle of 2010. There have been rumors of Lil Easy E playing his late father, Easy E, and Ice Cube's son and fellow rapper O'Shea Jackson Jr. playing as his father as well. Ice Cube said of the movie, quote, We're taking it to the nukes and crannies, I think, deeper than any other article or documentary on the group. He said, quote, he also said, quote, these are intimate conversations that help forge NWA. To me, I think it's interesting that to anybody who loves that era. And I don't know any other movie where you can mix gangster rap, the FBI, LA riots, HIV, and fucking feuding with each other. This movie has been every, this movie has everything from Daryl Gates and the battering ram and court. End quote. Some bitch. On February 21st, 2014, director F. Gary Gray announced on March 9th, 2014, open cast call for the film. In Gardena, California, via his Twitter account, there were also open casting calls in Atlanta and Chicago. Rapper YG actually auditioned to play MC Ren in the film. Uh, the project was scheduled to start filming in April of 2014, but it was pushed back due to casting delays. On June 18, 2014, Universal Universal officially announced that the NWA biopic Strata Compton 
will be released theatrically on August 14, 2015. It was also confirmed that Ice Cube's son, O'Shea Jackson, would play a younger version of his father in the film. O'Shea Jr. joined Jason Mitchell and Corey Hawkins, who portrayed group members Eazy-E and Dr. Dre, respectively. In early July 2014, casting directors for the film issued a casting call for extras and vintage cars in the Los Angeles area. The casting call release stated that filming would begin in August 2014. In July of 2014, it was confirmed that Aldis Hooge would portray MC Ranch and Neil Brown Jr. would portray DJ Yella. On August 15, 2014, nearly a year before the release, it was announced that Pa Giamatti joined the cast to play NWA's manager Jerry Heller. On August 26, 2014, Keith Stanfield joined the cast to play Snoop D-O-double-G. On June 16, 2015, Ice Cube revealed that a Tupac scene had been uh, shot for the film. Entertainment Weekly reported that the role Tupac Shakur in the film would be played by newcomer Mark Rose, who was once rumored to be cast by John Singleton in his unmade Tupac biopic. Rose later reprised the role of Tupac in his first in the first and only season of the true crime se- uh, drama series Unsolved. There was, of course, a casting call controversy when on July 16, 2014, a casting call for extras for Straight Outta Compton was released on the Sandy Sandy Alessi casting Facebook page. Sorry, I mispronounced that. The casting call was looking for African-American girls for the film using an A through D's ranking scale. Through, a, through the A category, girls was looking for classy women of all colors. The B through D categories were very explicitly linked with skin tone. As the less women got, as the women got less attractive, the casting call wants the women's flesh tone to be darker, with the lowest listing calling for African American girls poor, not in good shape, medium to dark skin tone. The casting call post went viral as people expressed for their outrage of what they call colorism, sexism, and even racism in categorizing black women. Where a representative for the page said the ad was an innocent mistake, and when it comes to casting poor people, they're also looking for women of various skin tones and body types. As the as for the A B C D grouping system, the casting group said, "quote It is the usual method they use to look for different types of people for any project, as it wasn't and it wasn't meant to offend anyone." End quote. Strata Compton was filmed in Compton, California, and Los Angeles, California. Principal photography began on location in Compton on on, on August Lula, on August fifth, two thousand fourteen. In early September two thousand fourteen, principal exterior shooting on a large post riot set was observed on laurel canyon boulevard in north hollywood while shooting in california the production spent almost 50 million dollars in the state and received the california film and television tax credit costume designer kelly jones said quote the script was literally literally changing the entire time we were shooting i mean the entire time there will be days where i would get a call on a friday and they were like oh by the way we've moved the pool party scene to monday and the pool party scene had like 400 people and i needed to get 80 80s bathing suits so there wasn't a single weekend where me and my team were not working it was insane end quote production production designer shane valentino says quote we had 130 sets which is a lot of sets to try and deal with end quote of course, there was violence on set. On August 12, 2014, TMZ reported that just seven days into filming, a drive-by shooting took place in Compton directly in front of the cast and crew members while they were on set. A group of men standing outside the Compton courthouse flashed gang signs at passing car and passengers, and the car opened fire on the group. No one affiliated with the film was injured, but one other person near the set was shot. Despite the incident, it was announced that the filming would continue to take place in the city 
On January 29, 2015, Suge Knight was involved in a hit-and-run incident that left one man dead and the other hospitalized. After an argument on straight out of Compton film set, witnesses claimed that Suge Knight followed the man into a burger stand parking lot in Compton and, the, and that the collision looked intentional. Security footage was released online in early March showing that Knight ran over both men, but which Knight's attorney said helps his client's self-defense claim. Terry Carter, co-founder of Heavyweight Records and a friend of Knight, was the man that was killed. The second victim, filmmaker Clee Sloan, suffered a mangled foot and head injuries. Knight was arrested for the incident, of course, and in October 2018, he pleaded no contest to voluntarily manslaughter in the case in a Los Angeles courtroom and was sentenced to 28 years in prison. In October 2017, transcripts from a grand jury hearing earlier in the year indicated that Knight allegedly gave multiple menacing warnings to director F. Gary Gray during filming. Although Gary would testify, he did not recall any calls or texts threatening his safety. It moved Deputy District uh, Deputy District Attorney Cynthia Barnes referred to as intentional perjury out of fear. Knight was allegedly angry at his depiction in the film and that he was not constipate, compensated for his betrayal. In other words, it has gone bad. Anyways, <clears throat> in December of 2014, during a show in Sydney, Australia, Ice Cube gave concertgoers a sneak peek at a trailer for Stray Outta Content. When an executive producer of the film, Will Packer, was asked if Cube told him if he was going to show the trailer or did he just put it out there, Packer responded, quote, Cube does what he does. He added, he also said, Cube is a man. We back him. And I love the fact that he is out there and getting the response that it's, that it's, that it's getting. That's what I'll say. End quote. On February 8th, 2015, Universal released the first official trailer for Straight Outta Content. The Red Band trailer was preceded by an introduction featuring NWA's members Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. A second global trailer for Straight Outta Content was released on April 1st, 2015 and was attached with theatrical screenings of Universal's Furious 7. On August 7th, 2015, to help promote the film, Beats by Dre launched a new app on the website, a new app through the website, sorry, titled StraightOutOfSomewhere.com. The app allows users to create a meme by uploading a picture of the Straight Outta logo and fill it with uh, fill in the blank with the location of their choice. Some people did proclaim that they were straight out of a certain city or locale, while others uploaded funny images and phrases. And under in just under 24 hours, over 78,000 people uh, straight out of social downloaded Straight Outta images. Um, and over $6 million were generated before the film's opening day. In other words, it was a successful viral photo campaign that is definitely bringing attention to the movie. Uh, there were security concerns. Stereotic Compton first debuted on August 10th, 2015 at the, M at the Entertainment Complex LA Live in Los Angeles. An earlier report by LA Weekly said that the LAPD was beefing up his presence for the event. I mean... The Hollywood Reporter said that uh, the organizers had tripled security due to concerns surrounding the, f the violence in the film. It was reported movie theaters hired extra security within the film's opening weekend, and Universal Studios would reimburse them. Universal denied that it would reimburse them, but would partner with theaters seeking support. No major incidents were reported at showings during the film's opening weekend, and some critics said that it was because of the extra. It said that it was because of the extra security at some theaters, while others argued that it showed the extra security was unnecessary whatever that means anyways strata content went on to gross 162.2 million dollars in the u.s and canada and 40 million in other territories for a total worldwide of 201.6 million 
Deadline Hollywood calculated the net profit of the film to be $91.1 million when factoring all t- together all expenses and revenues for the films. In the United States and Canada, the opening weekend projections were continuously revised upwards, stating that $25 million and going as high as $45 million. The film made $5 million from Thursday night shows, which began at 7 p.m. in 2,264 theaters. After its strong Thursday night showing, Universal was able to add nearly 500 theaters for the film's opening weekend. Strata Compton made $24.1 million on its opening day, which was the fourth biggest August opening in history. It finished first at the box office in its opening weekend, earning a total of $60.2 million from 2,757 theaters. Ahead of the uh, the weeks of the release, The Man from Uncle, 46% of its opening weekend audience was African-American, while 23 was not Hispanic white, and 21% was Hispanic. Its opening weekend total was the fifth biggest, uh, fifth best August opening weekend of all time in the uh, in, son of a bitch, the highest in August for an R-rated film, and the highest for a musical biopic. It also said record for best opening by a film with an African-American director until it was passed by Gray's own The Fate of the Furious in April of 2017. After a strong first full week showing, Universal added the film to over 200 additional theaters, and the film went on to gross $26.4 million in its second weekend and finished first at the box office again ahead of the ahead of the week's new releases, Sinister 2, Hitman, Agent 47, and American Ultra. On August 27, 2015, Straight Outta Compton became the highest grossing uh, musical biopic of all time in the United States with a total of $120.9 million, passing the 2005 Johnny Cash biopic, Walk the Lines. Uh, the film went on to gross $13.1 million in its third weekend and once again finished first at the box office ahead of the week's new release, No Escape. War Room, and We Are Your Friends. However, increasing ticket prices skew the results somewhat, and adjustment for inflation may change the results. On September 15th, I mean 18th, 2015, the film's domestic grossed $157.5 million, surpassing Kenan Ivory Wayans' Scary Movie to become the all-time highest domestic grossing film from a black director in the United States. The record was eventually surpassed by Ryan Coogler's Black Panther in 2018. By September 21st, 2015, the film had grossed $188 million worldwide to become the highest, the all-time highest-grossing musical biopic, surpassing Walk the Lines' $186.4 million worldwide gross. It was later then passed by Bohemian Rhapsody in November 2018. A review aggregated Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 89% based on 245 reviews with an average rating of 7.36 out of 10. The site's critical consensus reads, Straight out of Compton, it's a biopic that's built to last thanks to F. Gary Gray's confident direction and engaging performances from a solid cast. On Metacritic, it has a weighted average score of 72 out of 100 based on 41 critics, indicating generally favorable reviews. And in other words, people liked it. They thought it was cool. Historical accuracy. In the film, the formation of NWA happens after Dre punches a guy who attacks his little brother one night. He's arrested and EZA bails him out of jail. According to recorded NWA lore, Dre did land in jail, but it was over unpaid parking tickets on his Mazda RX-7. He paged Easy to bail him out and returned the favor, agreed to produce a track for a record label Easy wanted to start. In the film, Cube and Dre's first show together takes place at a local club where Dre is DJing and MC Ella is just pretty much there in a puffy lavender jacket and warns Cube that the crowd will be tough. 
I just spit all over the place. You gotta be kidding me. Okay. Uh, it is said that Cube wins over the crowd with his song Gangsta Gangsta, which is an NWE classic. Easy and MC Ren are the only Crips in the crowd, mostly of bloods. The show actually happened at a content skating rink in which there was an overwhelming presence of bloods. Cube did perform Gangsta Gangster, but mostly did dirty parodies of popular tracks. Dre costumes were reserved for his first group, the World, Cla World Class Wrecking Crew. In the film, Boys in the Hood almost doesn't happen because HBO doesn't like the lyrics in real life. HBO did recoil at the song and walked out on this session. In the film, Heller hears Boys in the Hood and asks Eazy-E to go into business together. They later form Ruthless Record and Heller lands NWA a deal with Priority Records. After a show in a roller rink in his 2007 memoir, Ruthless, Heller, who was not involved with the film, says that Eazy-E was the one who sought him out, not the other way around, and he even paid a mutual acquaintance $750, $750 to make an introduction. The priority went down the week after... Uh, the priority deal went down... After the week, NWA played a successful show at a local roller rink. In the film, NWA is brutally harassed by racist cops who hate rappers for looking like gangbangers as an outrage. Heller looks in shock. Soon afterward, Cube writes some of the lyrics. Uh, Dre gives his approval and then quickly begins recording Fuck the Police. In real life, members of the NWA did get harassed by cops outside of audio achievements while recording Straight Outta Compton in 1987, but Cube had... Cube had the concept for Fuck the Police long before Dre was on board, despite Dre's own frustration with the law enforcement. In the film, it is depicted that it is shown that they are arrested in Detroit for playing Fuck the Police on stage. In reality, NWA was actually hustled away from the arena by their own security and whisked off to the safety of their hotel rooms, only to be arrested later when they went to the lobby to meet girls. To meet girls. Sorry. According to Heller, quote, around midnight after the police, right at the Joe at Joe Lewis had been quelled, those same Detroit undercover cops strolled into the lobby of NWA's hotel. There they found and detained Easy, Dre, Cube, Ren, and DJ Ella, end quote. Um, in the scene in which Ice Cube finally quits NWA after voicing his displeasure over his contract status with Easy and Heller, in his book, Heller claims that the group voted Cube out at the end of their first tour because of his griping proper compensation. Ice Cube has said that he thought it was ridiculous that Easy and Heller were driving luxury cars and living in mansions while he still lived with his parents, but departing NWA was not an easy decision. He secretly consulted publicist Pat Charbonnet, who isn't portrayed in the film, who facilitated his solo deal with Priority Records. In the film, it is also depicted that Easy is beat up by Shook Knight and his goons, forcing him to release Dr. Dre from the label. Dre was denied knowing of plant of Shook Knight's plants that night in 1991. In real life, Shook Knight told Easy that he had kidnapped Jerry Heller and was holding him prisoner in a van. This, however, did not convince Easy to release Dre and the DOC from Ruthless. The DOC is another fellow rapper in the group. He didn't really have that much of an impact on the group. He was just sort of like a producer. Anyways. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, right. Uh, Easy -E was not convinced and shook Knight threatened Easy's -E family. He gave Easy -E a piece of paper that contained Easy's -E mother's address, telling him, quote, I know where your mama stays, end quote. Easy -E finally signed Dr. Dre and the DOC's releases, officially ending NWA. In his book, Hiller corroborates the movie's assertion that Easy -E wanted to retaliate by killing Knight. He also claims that Knight wanted three ruthless artists, Dre, DOC, and Dre's girlfriend, Michelle, whom Knight would later go on to marry, released from the contracts so they could sign with Knight and Sony, a lawsuit from Dre, 
a lawsuit against Dre Knight and Sony was later settled out of court. Dre witnesses Suge Knight and his gangbanger buddies imitating a man in his underwear with a dog in the Death Row Records offices, and then leaves in protest, which leads to a which leads to a, a cops on a high, dramatic high speed chase that ends with his arrest. Dre told a Hollywood Reporter that a scene really happened. He said, "Quote: I was like, what the fuck's going on? I was ready to leave anyways. This was the extra push. The guy in the underwear. All this shit actually happened." End quote. Dre ended up being sentenced to eight months in prison for drug driving in his Ferrari through Beverly Hills in the late night. 90 miles per hour speed chase. What the fuck, Dre? Anyways, in the film, it is shown that Easy is visited in the hospital by Dr. Dre. Ice Cube arrives to see him too, but can't bring himself to enter Easy's room. In real life, DJ Yellow remained close to Easy throughout post-NWA breakup. Yellow was also the only member of Easy, I mean, the only member of NWA to attend Easy's funeral. In the film, Cube and his new group, the Lynch Mob, are suddenly attacked by unidentified assailants. In reality, Cube's dispute was with Above the Law. He and the rapper slash producer Cold187 um, had already fought at an Anaheim show earlier that year, and Cube brought along the Lynch Mob for protection. Shortly from the Lynch Mob, through the first blue, um, through the first blow, sorry, and it was a wild showdown with tables flying and shiners administered, but Cube was not involved when it began. He was speaking on a panel, actually. Towards the movie's end, Easy asks Cube about reunited with NWA. Cube said he's done only if Jerry Heller isn't involved, and Easy ends up firing him afterwards. Easy then brings the reunion idea to Dre, who is 100% on board. In reality, Easy and Cube did speak of an NWA shortly long before. I mean, shortly not. Uh, not long before Easy was diagnosed with AIDS, but Dre hadn't committed to it. In fact, Cold. 187 um says he wasn't planning on producing any new nwa tracks all in all this ended up this did end up getting you know some critical you know uh criticism especially from mc ren who took to uh, twitter to voice his displeasure at the lacks of exposure to his character saying quote man fuck these bitches at universal pictures leaving me out of the movie trailers trying to rewrite history and he also said, quote, when you have bitches work on a hip-hop film that don't know shit about hip-hop, this is what happens. How the hell are you leaving out after all? End quote. At the film's release, Ren tweeted, quote, true fans know my role in the group. As far as lyrics are concerned, don't let the movie fool you about my contribution to the group. End quote. He later praised the film's directors, saying, quote, congrats to the cast and crew. Great job of telling our story. End quote. Make up your fucking mind, Ren. Jesus. Anyways. Uh, on August 17, 2015, Michelle, Dre's former uh, girlfriend and form and mother of one of his uh, children, did an exclusive interview with Vlad TV. And in the interview, the former Ruthless and Death Row Records artist ponders her and Dre's abusive relationship, and she states that she was aware she was not included in the Straight Outta Compton film, saying, quote, Why would Dre put me in? I mean, because if they start from where they start, I was just a quiet girlfriend who got beat up and told to shut up, end quote. In other words, it, it did, she did not have a good reaction to it. Also, Jerry Heller ended up filing a 12-claim lawsuit in the Superior Court of Los Angeles against NBC Universal, director F. Gary Gray, Legendary Pictures, the screenwriters of the film, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, and the estate of Eazy-E, as well as post-testing his depiction in the film. Heller claimed that a significant amount of the film's content had been taken down from his autobiography without permission. The defendants countered, uh, with a request that Heller's defamation charges will be dismissed. And in December of 2018, two years after Heller's death in 2016, a judge ended up dismiss dismissing the, uh, the lawsuits, pretty much. Anyways, 
The film went on to receive awards from the ARP Annual Movies for Grown Ups Awards. It went on to receive a nomination from the Academy Awards, nominations from the African American Film Critics Association, Alliance of Women Film Journalists, American Film Institute, Black Real Awards, Casting Society, Critics Choice Awards, Empire Awards, MTV Movie Awards, um, just pretty much the whole shebang, you know what I'm saying? Uh, on August 7th, 2015, Dr. Dre released a, the album Compton, a soundtrack by Dr. Dre exclusively, exclusively on Apple Music at the iTunes store at first, and then later released the other digital music on platforms such as CD and vinyl, and vinyl form. Uh, although it is not the official soundtrack to the Straight Outta Compton film, Dr. Dre said that this album would be inspired by the movie. He said on The Pharmacy, his radio show on Beats 1, that during principal photography of Straight Outta Compton, he said, quote, I felt myself going into the studio and being so inspired by the movie that I started recording an album. He added, it is an album inspired, it is an inspired by album, it's inspired by Straight Outta Compton. Jesus, that's confusing. In other words, it's an album inside of an album, inside of an album, inside of an album, inside of an album. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, folks, and as far as the Straight Outta Compton story goes, that's pretty much it. I highly doubt they'll release a, a sequel, seeing as how easy he's fucking dead. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much it, and it looks like we are coming to... A bit of a haul. I really enjoy the movie. Really is. Uh, it could have less nudity, but hey, I'm not one to complain. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, it, I enjoyed the depiction. Um, it is somewhat accurate, not completely, I like not 100% accurate, but just you know, somewhat accurate to the point where everybody knows what the fuck is going on and all that kind of stuff. Um. I really enjoyed the fact that they were able to make it, you know, old school. They were able to, you know, add in vintage cards from the 80s, from the 90s. Just basically uh, uh, the authentic feel of the 80s. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I really enjoyed the film. One of the very few first... Blah, 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 one of the very first few biopics i ever watched uh very enjoyable before this i was like bro i feel like biopics are so fucking boring but after watching this one it was kind of cool and uh seeing as how i am a huge fan not a huge huge fan but like somewhat of a fan of uh nwa i really enjoyed the film i really thought that the characters were interpreted well they were portrayed well sorry and uh yeah i just leave it at that once again, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you all for your support. Really, it means a lot. Spread the word. Tell your mama, tell your papa, tell your tell the mailman, tell the crackhead outside of 7-Eleven. Tell everybody. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, folks. As far as I'm concerned, we're wrapping it up. Thank you guys all so much for the support, really. Uh, stay safe. Don't drink and drive. Take care, and I'll catch you guys all in the next one. See you, and take care. I've seen better days.